The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, president of the Cancer Support Community, and I am filling in today for Kim Tebaldo, the chief executive officer of CSC, who is off today and will be with you next week. The Cancer Support Community and Gildas Clubs have become united to uh, become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupport.com community.org and also by a telephone helpline and we will repeat these um, these addresses and telephone numbers many times but the telephone helpline is 888-793-9355 as many of you know this Saturday is Valentine's Day an annual celebration of romance love and appreciation between companions it can also be a very polarizing day with people typically either loving to celebrate the day or just wanting it to be over. For those who do celebrate Valentine's Day, it's, it's traditional for partners to express their feelings by exchanging flowers, candy, greeting cards. But when your Valentine is diagnosed with cancer, this simple day can suddenly have a much deeper meaning. According to the National Cancer Institute, a caregiver often feels just as much distress as the patient, if not more. Furthermore, the National Quality of Life Survey for Caregivers found that caregivers to someone with cancer can spend an average of about eight hours a day providing care for their loved ones. The demands for caregiving depend on several different variables, including the stages of the disease, the type of symptoms experienced, functional ability, levels of fatigue, and treatment side effects. How a spouse or partner or caregiver responds to their partner's cancer diagnosis and treatment can be just as important as how the patient responds. Today's show is going to focus on caregivers, from what it means to be a spouse, a partner, a coworker, and caregiver tips on providing care and love to your partner. Also, to providing support for yourself, which is incredibly important. And how do you cope with the challenges of acting as a caregiver to your Valentine or any day of the week? Joining us today... To speak more about caregiving is Clara Anderson Saint. Clara is program director at our Gilda's Club affiliate in Kansas City. It is one of our cancer support communities affiliates across the United States. 
After growing up in rural Missouri, Clara moved to Kansas City to complete her master's degree in social work. Through personal and professional experiences, she discovered her passion of helping support those grieving with the death of a loved one and began her work in the hospice setting. After receiving her clinical social work license and certification in grief counseling, she became the program director at Gilda's Club Kansas City. She currently serves on the Board of Directors for Mental Health America of the Heartland to assist in furthering mental health awareness and education. On a personal note, she and her husband just welcomed their first child, Olivia, into the world last September and have enjoyed all the changes that come along with parenthood. Congratulations, Clara, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Linda. I have to say I actually have a friend who uh, utilizes the services of Gilda's Club Kansas City. So on a very personal note, thank you for what you are doing for people every day there. Well, of course. So if we could just start our first segment by giving an overview of caregiving. And we're, the timing of the show is around Valentine's Day, but really the issues we're going to speak about relate to caregiving every day of the week and um, also it's the rewards and its challenges. So let's start with the basis, the basics. So who is considered a caregiver? So anyone can be a caregiver, but mostly those are the people who help the person living with cancer but isn't paid to do so, which makes it different from professional caregiving. The primary caregiver could be a spouse, a partner, sibling, parent, or adult child. Even if the family isn't close, it could be a friend or a neighbor. Not everyone feels that they're a caregiver or takes on that title, especially if they live further away. But offering any support to a person living with cancer makes you a caregiver. Often you're not trained, but you end up being the lifeline of the person living with cancer. And again, it could be anyone. It could be a coworker who might be spending extra time with somebody or driving somebody to care, or it might be somebody in a yoga class. It could be anyone, really. Yeah, anyone who helps provide needs that are, you know, presented by the person living with cancer. What role does a caregiver play in the cancer experience? I mean, this could be anything. This could be daily needs of feeding, dressing, or bathing, but not necessarily even those. It could be just arranging schedules, providing transportation. Often you have to take over duties of the person with cancer and still make sure the needs of the rest of the family members are met. And also just kind of helping that person kind of cope with their emotions regarding the diagnosis. But mainly caregivers are part of the healthcare team. They report any problems, manage the side effects, coordinate care. But they're also kind of the protector of medical information and who and take on relying that to the outside world. So who can know what information? And that's one of the tremendous tasks that are on kind of the caregiver's shoulders. But a lot of times they also help the person living with cancer just live a normal life as possible, continuing with what activities are most important. And they also encourage just sharing, you know, getting them to kind of talk about their feelings. And if sometimes that's a little scary for caregivers. So we just kind of always encourage, you know, if, if your loved one or person you're helping care for starts to talk about it, you know, don't change the subject. Try to sit with them and help them decide what they need and, you know, just recognize that people communicate in such different ways. So kind of just taking cues from that person about what they need and trying to be realistic and flexible for them. Mm-hmm. And so really, you know, caregivers help patients not only by providing physical support, but it is providing emotional support as well. Right. Yes. And can you speak a little bit to, um, you, you've talked a little bit about what a caregiver might be responsible for, but could you speak a little bit to some of the examples of 
what what caregivers often will take on, whether it's, you know, we've talked about the physical and emotional support, but also some of the logistical support of, um, you know, maintaining someone's life while they're going through cancer. Yeah. So, you know, the caregiver often will go to doctor's appointments and help, you know, keep straight all of the medical information. They have to deal with their own, you know, time off work and kind of getting that time to be able to do those things. You know, if children are in the home still, there's often, you know, who's going to talk to the kids? What are we going to tell them? And just kind of adjusting to the changes in the person who's living with cancer and all the changes that come along with that. So like you said, there's lots of things logistically, you know, transportation often becomes a big issue. One example is we have a daughter who um, brings her mother who's living with cancer to our weekly potluck and support group, but she's got her own demands of her family and her work life, and so it's just always such a cluster to get all those schedules to match up to meet everyone's needs. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I imagine there's some element of uh, the caregiver, if, if the patient and or caregiver is still working, there's some element to having to juggle jobs and work from home or whatever that might look like as well. Yeah, either if it's reducing work hours, some people get into early retirement because of the situation, kind of a lot to figure out. Mm-hmm. Well, Suleika Jawad is a, a good friend of, of CSCs and um, She's mentioned a number of times in her blog, and she's actually been a guest on the show, that her mother, when Suleika was diagnosed, her mother, um, her mother's full-time job became sort of organizing and navigating Suleika's life through cancer for a, a, a big period of time. Sure. Yeah, and I know that we're going to later in the show talk about some of the resources and tools that may be available to both patients and caregivers as they do uh, navigate um, could you, we, you know, we mentioned that you are the program director for Gilda's Club Kansas City. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about Gilda's Club Kansas City and your role in the work that you do with caregivers and couples uh, impacted by cancer? Sure. So Gilda's Club Kansas City, as you mentioned, is an affiliate of the cancer support community. So we provide free social and emotional and practical support to those impacted by cancer. And like we talked about, that could be the person living with cancer, their family and friends, caregivers, you know, and that's any stage or any cancer diagnosis and at any point in the journey. Um, So we specifically for caregivers offer a family and friends support group is what we call it. And that's um, each week on Wednesday evenings and we just, it's so full. We actually started a second group on Tuesday evenings. We also have a separate group. It's kind of a drop-in group for caregivers whose loved one has advanced stage cancer. So they're kind of getting into different topics and kind of the end stage and when you make hospice decisions and that, that kind of conversation. But couples could also receive, you know, short-term counseling as well. And Everyone kind of comes here for that sense of community and normalization and just being surrounded by others who are experiencing similar difficulties or challenges is really the point is to help reduce that isolation that often occurs when cancer is present in the family. We had a woman who joins us for painting classes. We also do some social and healthy lifestyle and education classes, and she was coming to painting, and she 
kind of just talked about how you know no one asked her about her port or the fact that she didn't have any hair and she could just be herself again without that cancer label. But if she wanted to talk about it or wanted to process any emotions around that, that also would have been welcomed. So it's just kind of providing that community of whatever it is you need in the moment. We'll try to help you. And we do a lot of resource and referral as well because, you know, there are the issues like transportation or financial resources that, you know, we don't tackle as much here, but we do know of the other great resources in Kansas City that can help with those things. So we'll get people connected to the right places if it's something we don't do here. Mm-hmm. And and what do you do in Kansas City um, to to bring together patients and caregivers at the same time? Do you do any special events or do you run parallel support groups? Yeah, it's a parallel support group on Wednesday nights. Like I said, we have a community potluck each Wednesday. So kind of the whole family comes together, and then there's a living with cancer support group and a family and friends group at the same time. There's also an area called Noogie Land, which is down um, in our play area where the kids could code, and there'd be a licensed mental health professional available to kind of help them through a supportive, structured play and kind of process some of their own emotions surrounding it. So it's a really could be a whole family event here. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think we might forget about um, older, older parents of adult children, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and considering them as caregivers as, as well. So I know that they are more than welcome. Even if you, you know, your child is 60 years old living with cancer, right. you are considered a caregiver and more than welcome to attend any of these um, events with them. Exactly. That's a really good point. And another thing I just want to mention, sometimes we get a lot of calls from the caregiver who wants to come in, but let's say it's their spouse and, you know, the wife's calling in, but she she can't get her husband to come in. So she's like, do I still get a come? And you don't have to have the person with a cancer diagnosis come with you. If you're the one looking for support and that's what you need, you're more than welcome to come by yourself. If you guys do want to come together, that's welcome. So it's kind of available to anyone who needs it. Oh, that's nice. And um, I believe that those same sort of services and that same sort of opportunity is available throughout the Cancer Support Community Affiliate Network. So all of the Gilda's Clubs, all of the Cancer Support Community Affiliates that you find listed on our website um, operate in the same way. So we would encourage any of our listeners to, to take advantage of that. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We are going to have to take a quick commercial break. Today's show is sponsored by Lilly Oncology, Onyx Pharmaceuticals, an Amgen subsidiary. And we will be right back to hear more from Clara Anderson-Saint when we return. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community. 
a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. My name is Linda House, and I am your guest host today, filling in for Kim Tebaldo, the Chief Executive Officer of the Cancer Support Community, who will be back with you next week. Today, we are lucky to speak with Clara Anderson-Saint, who is the Program Director of Gilda's Club Kansas City. And we spent the first segment really talking about um, caregiving and who are caregivers, services that are available to caregivers, um, how to speak with your, your caregiver. And we're doing this timed very closely to Valentine's Day, which does raise um, a host of questions and and thoughts as we get closer to to that day. But we're really sharing information that is available um, and pertinent to anyone at any any time of the year. So I'd like to focus this segment on challenges facing couples who are impacted by cancer and um, particularly the challenges facing the caregiver. So Clara, in our last segment, we talked about the role of a caregiver and the role that they play in the cancer journey. Can you Give us a sense of some of the challenges that caregivers face. What are the things that you hear from caregivers that you work with in uh, in Gilda's Club? Okay. Well, you know, often caregivers come in and they just express those feelings of being frustrated, their own feelings of, you know, severe sadness or emotional distress, just feel overwhelmed. They have their own physical symptoms of fatigue, difficulty sleeping or eating, often feel trapped or maybe just powerless. And like we mentioned before, you know, they might need juggling with reducing work hours or trying to decide about early retirement to meet the demands of caregiving and just kind of all the logistics are challenges in and of itself. But we kind of always just encourage them. It's important to acknowledge the beauty and love in providing this care and not just blow it off as, oh, I have to, but not everyone can step up to the plate and take on this caregiving role. And so we encourage, you know, giving yourself grace and recognize how much dedication it takes to caregive. I don't think they people can hear that enough. You know, just do what makes you feel good, involve others, because it is so challenging. Like we already mentioned, you know, there's just... This, they feel, you know, lots of similar issues that the person living with cancer is feeling in terms of just the emotional distress and just the having to juggle everything on top of what is normal life stressors that we're all dealing with. Now they've added, you know, a cancer diagnosis into the mix. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked about the different 
kind of want to call them categories or types of caregivers, but we talked about different people who might be caregivers. So we talked about um, spouses. We've talked about children who might be caring for their parents. We've talked about parents who might be caring for their children. Are there different challenges faced by each of those different people? Sure. You know, each each section, if you will, like we can't come up with the right term, but each category has its own challenges. You know, particularly, if, you know, if we're going to focus in on spouses, it's how different it could be if there are children still in the home. You know, there's so much shifting in family roles or, you know, who's working. There's the income changes. There's just shared responsibilities of who's going to get, you know, the household stuff done, cleaning the house, the laundry, the cooking. And oftentimes there's just a complaint that it just feels like Groundhog's Day, which we just had. It's that same day over and over again. and Or they're feeling like they're, you know, trying to keep up with all the changes only to have it keep changing and requiring that constant adaptation. Lots of changes, you know, if we focused in on the spouse is just not wanting to necessarily confront their loved one about their own personal anger or frustration, you know, because the other person has cancer. So, you know, my needs seem smaller. They might try to minimize that. And, you know, but when they choose to kind of not communicate those feelings, there becomes this distance created. And it seems like, you know, they're protecting out of love and compassion. But really, you know, that good marriage is growing from working with difficulties and not just ignoring them. But oftentimes, you know, there's that natural reaction of just resentment of, you know, we were planning our retirement. We had all these travel plans and now cancer is present. And kind of just beginning that grief work is really imperative. All those dreams are expectations kind of need to be grieved as the family prepares to kind of adjust to whatever that new normal is going to be after diagnosis. That challenge really exists in facing those issues and not ignoring it. You know, it's easy to kind of build a facade of everything's fine, you know, I'm going to keep my chin up, but breaking those down is really essential to really helping each other, you know, live well with cancer. Well, and so let's go someplace where um, very few patients or caregivers really want to go, and that is it's okay to ask for help. Sure. Right. You know, and, yeah. You know, it's the simplest thing. It's just that vulnerability piece of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't want to need people. I want to be able to do all the things, you know, work, carry the income, carry the house load, whatever it is that that person was responsible for or the caregiver was responsible for prior. You know, it's this, you're suddenly in this situation of being so vulnerable and, you know, that's a scary place to be in, to need to rely on others for help. But, you know, we can't say it enough. It's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to find those supportive people in your life who can pick up the slack if needed. Mm-hmm. Well, and we kind of chuckle about that, but that's just sort of the, nat- the natural human response. Sure. You know, most of us really struggle with asking for, for help. And so especially in this sort of situation where you have, you know, additional factors layered on, it's, it's really imperative that you, that you do. And, and so to that point, could we just maybe give our listeners just a, a few ideas about how do you go about asking for help? Whether you're the patient or the caregiver, you know, creating an inventory, whatever that looks like. Could you just give us some suggestions? Sure. You know, it's just kind of, um, you know, trying to be open and honest about the stress, you know, what's causing it, kind of trying to look at how, you know, each of you feel, how each of you are coping. You know, talk about what choices you can make that are kind of 
going to try to help guide you to, you know, tackling the stress in a healthy manner. And, you know, just kind of finding, we call it the, you know, there's a coin phrase, supportive third, where, you know, your support group or your support system kind of falls into three groups. And there's the area of people who, you know, maybe just aren't helpful and, you don't really show up, but then there's that middle group of people who mean well. They say, oh, call me if you need anything, but, you know, they're not really reliable. They mean well, but they're just not the right people. But there's that third group of people who are really supportive, who see the lawn needs mowed and just come over and mow it and, you know, can take you to a doctor's appointment. They're just always there to kind of sit and uncomfortable with you. And it's really imperative that people find that third group and their supportive network. And it's not always the people that they would have assumed, you know, so sometimes it takes a while to find out exactly who's going to be the most helpful and what roles each person in your support network can play. And I think when people say to you, how can I help, um, having a list and being ready to, to show them and say, here's a, here's a list. What would you like to help with? Right. Groceries, you know, filling prescriptions. I need to pick my kid up from soccer practice. You know, anything like that, that's tangible tasks that other people can take on. And we should probably mention that there are some tools to help people, patients and caregivers, with organizing help. And, um, you know, we work with um, an organization called My Lifeline, which is an online tool that reaches specifically out to patients with cancer and caregivers with, with cancer. And, th- you know, there's a, um, there's a calendaring tool so you can go in and schedule, to your point, pickups or meal delivery or whatever, you know, it might look like um, to you. And I think that there are some others out there. Caring Bridge, you might be familiar with some um, others. Sure. Yeah, I mean, just the ones you mentioned. I mean, if you just Google it, that's the easiest way. There's almost every cancer organization, you know, CSC included, has different tools to help manage some of those um, tasks in the household. So we would definitely encourage people to to go there and, and utilize those tools that are available to them. So, you know, you had mentioned, and this is before we go to, to break, I want to just spend a little, another little minute on communication. And uh, you had mentioned how important it is that, pe- that people have an open and honest communication, particularly when you're dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis. So could you give some, some examples of, of dialogue that, that you've heard or that you've encouraged or that you know have worked particularly uh, well for couples or caregivers as they're going through this particular journey? Sure. I think, you know, one good approach is, you know, always looking at the world through their partner's eyes and making sure they really ask for what is needed and talk about, you know, their closeness or their intimate life or their hopes for the future and really try not to judge each other and kind of just protect that time together. It's really easy to just, in the hubbub of life, get away from true meaning, but be patient, you know, take things slow. Um, you know, remember that the relationship itself is facing cancer. So there's normal life interruptions, and then you have this kind of on on top of it. But, you know, not everyone can communicate effectively. So it's kind of making sure that it is a learned skill. You know, sometimes even sitting in the silence can be comforting to people and just kind of that shows an intense level of empathy. But, you know, making sure you recognize how your partner coped with anything else up until this point is going to be probably pretty similar. There's the people who really do need to process out loud, work through problems, that kind of thing. And there's other people who are more internalized and kind of need more alone time. And, 
know, kind of bottle it in or maybe just have different outlets. But we talk about, you know, maybe an effective approach could be journaling. You know, it's kind of a more passive way to confront any concerns, kind of pass that back and forth. Um, We had a husband and wife who did that regularly. It was just a little easier than confronting anything head on for them. So just kind of knowing how you handled it all these years or however long you've been together it's going to apply almost similar similar in this situation because, you know, like we said, cancer is another thing, but you've been dealing with lots of other stressors all this time. And so making sure that you can respect the coping skill or style of your partner. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And I, I've heard of that technique, the technique you mentioned of the dual journaling where one person will journal and one person will respond. And um, I think that's really a a cool technique um, for for people to practice. So we are going to have to go to a commercial break. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. This episode is sponsored in part by Amgen Oncology and Bristol-Myers Squibb. We will be right back with more on caregiving when we return. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer.
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. My name is Linda House, and I am your guest host today, filling in for Kim Tebaldo, who will be back with you next week. This week, I am joined by Clara Anderson-Saint, who is the program director at our affiliate, Gilded's Club in Kansas City. In honor of Valentine's Day this weekend, we're talking about caregiving. But let me tell you, we're just talking about it in the sense of the holiday. So um, think about the, the, the pieces we're talking about related to caregiving every day and some of the particular challenges that are faced around holidays. In particular, this one is Valentine's Day. So um, for this particular segment, Clara, I'm wondering, so Valentine's Day is about showing someone affection and um, expressing how important they are to you. I would say that around any any holiday in particular. Um, So my question to you is, are the holidays more important as it relates to this expression of your feelings than any other day um, of, of, of the week? And how do people go about really doing that? Well, you know, if you need a reason to start this conversation, you could use the holiday to do it. You know, it's a scary time. Take advantage of that opportunity. But one thing I want to keep in mind is that, you know, the family or the system, the spouses, you're more than just that cancer diagnosis. So make time to focus on things besides the cancer. It's obviously impacting your plans and what you're doing and maybe your traditions. But, you know, that's okay. But make sure that you focus on things outside of it. What would you normally do? What would this holiday normally look like? But, you know, they are triggering days of, you know, kind of highlight, you know, maybe some you know, feelings of sadness or, you know, we can't do the things we used to. But that's when we say, you know, start a new tradition. It can be a temporary one. It can be just for this day and, you know, try something new. And maybe you can't do the huge thing you normally did for Valentine's Day or whatever holiday it is, but you can still show your love and affection in, you know, different ways and try to start new traditions this year. Well, and before the break, we talked about the idea of journaling and, a, you know, a dual journal. And it, and it seems like this is the perfect time to be able to send each other messages. Sure. Yeah. Just like I said, anything just simple and, you know, acknowledging kind of your gratitude for each other is really important to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So do you have any specific examples of ways in which caregivers and partners or I mean, care, patients and caregivers or um, patients and other um, friends, family, ways in which they um, have been able to either create new traditions or um, demonstrate, you know, this this communication pattern and this affection for each other? Sure. You know, like we talked about as a journaling, you know, there's easy tools there of just kind of writing notes to each other. But also, you know, we had a couple here who, you know, the plaza is kind of our main, like, dining area in the city here. And they'd go to the same restaurant, you know, eat at the same table every year, but got to the point where the husband just didn't really have the energy to get out and about and deal with the traffic in the city. And so, you know, she got the meal carried out, and they just set it up in their home. So it was the same food, but different atmosphere. And So kind of just adjusting it in that capacity, you know, it's something real simple, but, you know, it's just... 
you know, going with the flow of the changes and, you know, just trying to still do something intentional um, of, you know, not letting it just, oh, it's another day, but, you know, we're intentionally going to take time aside for ourselves and, you know, try something new. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and to the point that we talked about also in the last segment, the, the idea of asking for help. And it feels to me that Valentine's Day in particular would be a nice opportunity for um, a conspiracy and ask for help to, to set up and create something really special that may be a brand new tradition. Sure, yeah. You know, and just kind of giving little breaks for each other maybe, you know, a range of an hour break for, you know, the caregiver to be able to go do their favorite activity. So, you know, maybe the person living with cancer has someone else come and help provide care so the caregiver can have a little break or, you know, the caregiver can, you know, show their affection and, you know, just really easy ways um, for their loved one, just real simple acts, you know, gentle massage or touch is just the easiest way to show affection, you know, just holding hands or a hug or, but again, just kind of know your partner, you know, what is it that your partner would need or would want? And, you know, not everyone, you know, goes overboard for Valentine's Day and some do, you know, and so just kind of understanding what the traditions normally would be and just making sure that it doesn't necessarily have to be over the top, but it should be acknowledged. And so we talked earlier about um, how crucial communication is during the, the cancer journey. And Valentine's Day or any other holiday for that matter is, is really no, no exception. And, you know, do you have any advice or thoughts about any particular, you know, using, using, using the holiday or using Valentine's Day as a way to introduce a difficult topic or uh, any other sort of conversation that this might be a, a, a nice trigger to, to open? Sure. You know, I mean, you can take the special day even to discuss your gratitude. You know, what's going well? Sometimes we get so focused on just the negative aspects, but there's good too. So finding the small joy in each day, you know, is it the sunset? Is it the beautiful snowfall that most of the East Coast gets to enjoy right now? Or is it, you know, a funny movie? Is there just some joy that we can focus on as opposed to, you know, this has all gone wrong or we can't do it the way we used to? Or, you know, you take that opportunity to this is the hard part of the conversation that I've, you know, kind of avoided because I was, you know, scared to bring up, you know, maybe I, you know, can do the journal idea, you know, that's a safer way to tackle big issues. Or, you know, just taking, like we said already, you know, the intention to discuss what it is that you need. Well, and I love your idea about gratitude and even thinking about creating a gratitude jar that you add to on every holiday. Sure. Yeah. So we are going to take another quick commercial break. Um, We appreciate you being here with us, Clara, and we'll look forward to the next segment where we're going to talk about resources. And um, in particular, I would like to talk about the Cancer Experience Registry. And I'm going to give our listeners just a little bit of a heads up that I'm going to give you a web address. So if you don't have a pencil handy, if you want to grab one, um, I will make sure and repeat this address in the next segment. But, you know, essentially we have a Cancer Experience Registry that has been open to anyone who has a cancer diagnosis or who has had a cancer diagnosis. We have been fortunate in the last year um, to be able to open a 
Cancer Experience Registry for Caregivers. So it is a registry where we are collecting information from caregivers so that we are able to learn more about their experience and particularly what their needs might be as we think about creating new educational programming for them. And it's unique and one of its kind because it really is the only registry for caregivers of patients with cancer. And it could be any of those people that we talked about. It could be the child, it could be a parent, it could be a spouse, it could be a neighbor, however you define yourself as a caregiver, you are more than welcome um, to come in and participate in that particular registry. And additionally, once you are a part of that community, we also will message you with new programs and services provided by either the Cancer, cancer Support Community or any one of our nonprofit um, partners. So I, I want to make sure that we, we mention that in the next segment. I'm going to tell you the, or the website now. It is www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. Org. And we'll repeat that again, but we certainly hope that if you are a caregiver listening to this show or if you know a caregiver that you'll please tell them about that particular site. It's brand new um, just in the last few weeks. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by Takeda Oncology and we will return with our final segment right after the break. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand, choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support 
from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House, filling in for Kim Tebaldo, the Chief Executive Officer of the Cancer Support Community, who will be back with you next week. And we have had a great show today. We're talking about when your Valentine has cancer, but really we've been talking about caregiving and the importance of caregiving around the holidays in particular. And I'm so lucky today to be joined by Clara Anderson-Saint, who is the program director of our Gilda's Club Kansas City affiliate, where I have a a friend who actually seeks support at Gilda's Club Kansas City. So I have a special affinity um, for the work that you do there, Clara. We have talked a lot about caregiving and the challenges that a caregiver might face when their loved one is diagnosed with cancer and also some of the rewards that they um, experience as a part of um, that that interaction. And um, I'd like to focus our last segment on support support resources and any bit of advice that you feel would be helpful for our caregivers to know or our listeners to know. I know that you talked in the first segment about Gilda's Club. I just wonder if you could spend time and just... Just recap some of that information for us. Um, tell us about Gilda's Club. Tell us about the the work that you all do with caregivers and also for people living with cancer. Okay. Like she mentioned, you know, Gilda's Club Kansas City is an affiliate of the cancer support community, and we provide free emotional and social and practical support to the caregivers or the people living with cancer, and that's any cancer diagnosis at any stage throughout the entire journey. You know, Firstly, diagnosed, treatment, post-treatment, or even into bereavement. But it's for both sides, you know, friends, family, the person with cancer. And we have support groups offered to both of those groups. But the sense of community is really available to anyone. We usually don't have members of the same family in the same support group because we're just so naturally protective of our loved ones that they're kind of less likely to share that emotional content. So we have separate groups for persons living with cancer and then for their caregivers. And then we have educational classes, healthy lifestyle events like yoga, meditation. And then we also have social gatherings like a weekly potluck or, you know, in June we do a big comedy bash for Gilda's birthday. And all of those can be attended together as a family system. So wide variety of resources and, you know, we do a lot of resource and referral for things like transportation or financial concerns. So if anyone has, you know, any questions about any aspect of this journey, you know, we're always willing and ready to help provide support. Mm -hmm. And so what other resources are available to caregivers? I know that you had mentioned that that there are some in Kansas City that that you're aware of, your sister organizations, if you will. So maybe share some of those for our listeners. Um, so in the Kansas City area, um, we refer a lot to Cancer Action, and they have three different locations in, in our metro area, and they do a lot of help with financial resources and transportation. They have a WIG donation center, and they take a lot of insure and 
people can get that for free. So lots of um, connection there with Cancer Action. And then, you know, just lots of different, you know, faith organizations, lots of referrals for, you know, people um, in our community can get connected in a lot of various ways. But, you know, across the country, any of the cancer support communities can provide the same things that we do here in Kansas City. But as we already mentioned, there's lots of online resources. So sometimes people are a little intimidated to get through that red door and come seek the community support. So, you know, there's lots of online resources available to people as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and some of the, you know, very specific services, and I'm going to, I'm going to maybe throw out a little list here that you can help me remember. Um, I don't know that people always think about the fact that these are available and sometimes, and they're available at a deep discount and sometimes even free of charge. But in, in almost every local community, people can ask for help with house, house cleaning Sometimes lawn care, um, sometimes and a lot of times transportation to and from their treatment. And these are, I'm talking about nonprofit services, so outside of their, their, their general network. Um, I know that there are sometimes um, hairstylists that will come into the home and um, cut hair, shave heads, trim beards, whatever that particular service is. And um, I'm sure I'm missing some things, and, and, and I want to make sure that that we highlight here, please ask. You know, so even if you don't want to come to the facility, you could call and see if there's somebody in your neighborhood. Also, the Cancer Support Community Helpline, we have a database of almost 9,000 resources in communities around the United States, and that number is 888-793-9355. And please feel free Clara, if I uh, missed something to, to jump in, child care, I guess, right? Yeah, child care. And we also have um, a host of massage therapists in our area that can provide, you know, reduced services or free services as, as well. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we did a show on, um, on the helpline. And, you know, one of the examples that we gave a way that one of our helpline counsel- counselors was able to help a patient is um, he had squirrels in his attic. And um, he was literally more distressed about the squirrels in his attic than some of his day-to-day activities. And so we were able to, to find um, companies who could help with the squirrel removal, which was a huge relief on him. So it's just sure. a matter of asking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And like um, we said, you know, if you don't know where to start or don't know who to contact, just give us a call. Any of my program staff would be help, happy to answer any questions we can. Yep, great. Thank you. So... As we close out our show today, what are your last pieces of advice? And they can be few or many, but when you think about advice that you would give to to couples, caregivers, children, parents, what are some, some nuggets that you would leave with them as we close the show today? Okay. Um, like we mentioned earlier, I'm a new mom, and one of the best pieces of advice is we got is remember you're tired, not mad. It's okay if you're mad, and, you know, that's okay, too. We do the whole spectrum of human emotion here, but mostly you're just tired. You know, it's a long day, caregiving's exhausting, you know, your filter and your patience isn't necessarily what it always is. So just kind of giving yourself that break of, I'm just really tired, and knowing your limits and resting when you need to. But like we mentioned earlier, you know, do something for yourself each day. Find that small joy, no matter how little it is. But again, you know, come to Gilda's Club, Kansas City, for that 
sense of community to help reduce your isolation and try to keep a little bit of sense of humor. You know, we're named after Gilbert Radner, so we got to always keep that humor alive. But mainly, lastly, give yourself grace. It's a very, very hard thing to, you know, living with cancer or caregiving and, you know, you can't always be perfect and it's exhausting. So just kind of give yourself that grace that you're doing the best you can and we appreciate you. Great words um, to end on. Thank you so much for joining us today and helping us understand more about the challenges facing caregivers as well as resources available to them and really for offering so many tips for caregivers out there um, during this, this period of time as we approach another holiday. Do you have an idea for an episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer? We invite all of our listeners to share with us any topics they would like to hear in one of our upcoming shows. All you need to do is please send us your ideas at news, and E-W-S, at cancersupportcommunity.org. Before we hang up, I want to make sure that you have a couple of pieces of information. If you go to our website at www.cancersupportcommunity.org, you can find a location of our affiliate closest to you. So there's a place there you can click on and you'll find an affiliate brick and mortar close to where you are. If there is no affiliate close to you or if you prefer to speak with someone on the telephone, we have a a toll-free helpline and that number is 888 793-9355 and that helpline just like our affiliates is staffed by licensed mental health professionals and they stand ready to help you. We also have online programming that I'll mention to you on the website cancersupportcommunity.org and then finally I'd like to just uh, repeat the, the, the address that I gave you for our caregiver cancer experience registry. So the cancer experience registry specifically for caregivers in the community that's been established for caregivers, that website is www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. No spaces, cancerexperienceregistry.org. The Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and over-the-phone support as we've talked here today. Again, if you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org where you'll find a location near you, you'll find information, and you have the ability to join online programming, including my lifeline where you can sign up for for help and calendaring as you're you're seeking help um, through this particular journey. The Cancer Support Helpline number is 888-793-793. 9355 and it is available to you Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.